Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Jeff talking about the sermon from May 9th, 2021. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Faith Church podcast. This is Pastor Jeff, and I am here today with Pastor Jay. Hello, Jay. Hey, Jeff. You wow, started, that was so You started flat. before I, I wasn't ready. Oh, okay. I thought I was going to start it, but you I'm still looking at you here. If people could see what I'm looking at right now, Jeff might have to get phone books to sit on because our microphone uh, stand is not... Uh, it's it, dysfunctional. It is dysfunctional, which is unfortunate. But it, so it won't, it won't stay up. Or it won't stay down. Like it just, it it just like if you move it a little bit, it just collapses. Yeah, I think we're at a safe spot right now. Yeah, so you can't move. So Jeff, if he sounds stiff at all during this podcast, it's because he's not allowed to move at all. Straight spine. Yeah. Straight back. Not even. Yeah, not even a in centimeter. So, um, Jay, hey, I'm excited I get to do the podcast with you again. I know. Well, yeah, we're on quite the roll. We are on quite the roll. Robbie's not gone forever, but um, for many reasons, he is not here today. Um, and you know, in this pandemic world, basically anytime there's any symptoms or anything, we gotta, we gotta be careful about all that stuff. But you, Jeff, have been such a trooper jumping in wherever needed. And that happened on Sunday, man. You got called into service mm-hmm. to, in like a harrowing tale. Yeah. I, well, we were, the bench was totally emptied. And yeah. so Jeff Bauer said, Jeff, can you help with the slides? And with running what goes out to the internet, like picking which cameras. Yeah. I said, well, give me a rundown. So I got about a 30-second training, and off we went. And I think it went fairly well. I had a little feedback from Liam, my son, because he normally runs it after the service, a little constructive criticism, which was helpful. And uh, I felt very excited to do it again someday. It was great. I mean, you did hang me out to dry. Yeah, there was a moment where um, the kids got dismissed, and there's music playing. And I clicked a button that I did not realize would stop the music like immediately. Which, which and, was yeah. ridiculous timing because I had I had taken a drink from my water bottle and it I like the way I put it down, it sloshed back up in my face. So I have water all over my face as I'm walking back up to the to the pulpit. And but I thought, oh, I've got time because the kids are just now being uh, dismissed. And so I turn around to like wipe off my face before I turn back around. And right as I do that, the music just cuts out. Cue. Cue the silence. Dead silence. So now it's awkward. So now I have to turn around and face everyone and the camera with water dripping on my face. I feel like you did it on purpose is what I'm saying. Well, that's one thing that people would wonder, isn't it? Was well, that I didn't know on it was, purpose? I didn't know it was you back there. I thought it was Jeff. No, Bauer. well, that's what I didn't know either. But and apparently, then, the computer well, that you controls didn't know you were back there. I knew I was back there, but I did not know that when I clicked slide move forward, that it would silence the music. Wait, wait. So you didn't know that when you click slide move forward, that the slide would move forward? That the music was so attached to that very mm. slide. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That should have come up in your 30-second training. Yeah, exactly. But hey, we pulled it together, and uh, I think it went pretty well. And so I got to hear the sermon twice, which hopefully will come through in the podcast, the the comprehensive knowledge of this two sermons, the two versions. The two versions. And uh, they weren't actually that divergent this week at all. They were pretty similar. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I was excited to be there. 
I would say this week was a more similar week. There are definitely different, a couple of different illustrations or different things, but it was basically. Do you remember the topic, Jay? I do. I do. Uh, It was love your brother or love one another. So, yeah. So like last week you preached on the vertical love that we have from God. And this, this week I got to talk about the horizontal love that how that love from God flows into loving others. I think it was a really neat thing that we decided to separate those. I mean, it's interesting if you just preached verse by verse through first John, it's hard to separate it because he doesn't really, he He just, it's all intertwined. And, uh, but you could read his whole letter right in like 15 minutes. So he would, he would get it all out in 15 minutes and we took a couple weeks on a couple of his sentences, but it, I think it that really another shot at me for the length of sermon. I can't imagine why. Why would you? Why would you? Say, no. Why would you get that you out get of that? You could get through the entire John. Everything John wanted to say, he was able to say in fifteen minutes. You could I, be able to get through that. But Jay is significantly longer than that. Interesting that you added but, the word Jay in your head. Well, yeah, because that's what you're talking about. But hey, <laughs> but the thing is, what's funny about separating them though, and what was difficult about it is, like you said, John intertwines them so much, and they are so intertwined. And in fact. At the beginning of the message, I said that. I said, you can't mm-hmm. separate these. So, But you know, we have to do that logistically so that we aren't preaching two-hour-long sermons. Um, but it's important to kind of consider those things. And the reason why I thought it was important was because we, we, we can't really understand the love we're supposed to have for one another if we don't understand the love God has for us. It's, it's because they're connected so much that we needed to separate them and just consider... How does, how does God, what does it mean that God is love? How does he love us? And then to take that, now that we understand what that is, to understand how that then flows out of us, which, which is challenging and different because, you know, just like we can define the love of God in a lot of different ways, we can define love for, um, for our neighbor in a lot of different ways, that the world would define it, that God would not define it. Yeah, I think that's why we need to be careful and slow down, why it's been good to really slow down on it. Because there are, I mean, even for those of us who would say, I'm following Jesus, I want to know him, I want to be like him, I want to obey him. We pick up beliefs, like I've heard we pick up beliefs like we pick up lint, like they just cling to us. So mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't even realize that our understanding and conception of a word like love, which is so important, has actually has all these other like things attached to it. So when we're really slowing down, it gives us a chance to examine that, to find out, do I understand love the way Jesus did? Do I understand what he's calling me to the way he did? Because that's centrally important if we're going to live as disciples right. of him, to really get what he meant by it and what his followers meant. So I think it's been really fruitful. I know it has been for me just to slow down and think about it. Yeah, I think, it, so I was just thinking about, we hadn't planned this, but I was just thinking about how, how love for others gets kind of misdefined. You know, when I, is that a word misdefined? Sure. I know what you mean. That's what, Jeff, this I don't is know why it's, it's so good that you're on the podcast, not Robbie. Robbie, <laughs> Robbie could not have brought himself to say like, yeah, yeah, okay. He would have, he would have given me a better what word. What is the word? I don't know. Ill-defined? Ill-defined? Yeah, I don't know. Non-defined? <laughs> D-defined? I don't know. Anyway. In, incorrectly points, defined. Incorrectly defined. Um, and and we see this on on a couple of different extremes. One is when we we uh, undefined non-define when we define it incorrectly as um, speaking truth, which I I talked about a little bit. But we we understand that 
that loving like just just the fact that something is true doesn't make it loving like and and so sometimes we'll we'll interchange those because we'll say well the truth is loving and so therefore like i'm just speaking truth and we use that to cover up all kinds of unloving actions towards people the reverse of that or not the reverse but kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum is when we want to define love as um as accepting and as like agreeing that if you if you love me then you will agree with me and you will and and we won't have any differences and so there's a form of kind of uniformity that that can be misconstrued as love or or we can define love and and when you think about it god is neither like god doesn't do either of those things like he he certainly doesn't love only those who are uniform with him because there are none like him no so god by definition only loves people that he disagrees with or that he doesn't condone like that's the very nature of the need of the incarnation like that's why it's in his love that he sends jesus that jesus comes and becomes flesh and so it's not um it's not this just like um across the board acceptance of whatever whatever a person thinks that's that's not love but nor is it always like stating facts that there is there's a relational element to that i mean i i was thinking about how jesus um how jesus walking around and just imagine him always knowing what is on the hearts of men always being surrounded by all of that sin all the time and then look at what he actually chooses to address and how he addresses things i mean you you could go up to we can look at some of these people as just like innocent bystanders or victims like the the you know a leper that he goes and but that leper is not innocent he has all kinds of sinful thoughts and sinful backgrounds and sinful history all of these things but jesus doesn't address any of those things he heals he heals them and so it's just interesting to to look at that at how how god often refrains from declaring he, he doesn't lie to us but he'll refrain he'll withhold um speaking what we would sometimes qualify as speaking truth he'll withhold that for the for loving somebody yeah so i was i was to say i i am so thankful personally that that's how he is with us right because i could not handle like if i could go back 20 years i've been following jesus for a while and if i could go back 20 years and see all of the ways that God's spirit has brought conviction of sin to me throughout those years in seasons and in phases. If he had done that all at once, I, there's no way I could have handled it because it would have been true. Yeah. You have, you know, you're greedy or you need to deal with purity or you need to deal with loving others or your self-centeredness. But if God just gave me this truth bomb of like, here's all the ways that you're broken all at once. I don't think I could have handled it. And I think, why would we imagine others could handle it from us in that same way? Like we can't, he gives us truth when it is good for us. Right. That's why he gives, he when never, loving. Yeah. yeah, he never gives us what's true in that way when it would harm us in some way, when it would discourage us to the point of des- despair, you know, like he gives it to us in a way that is good for us. And I think that's why the, the concept of God's goodness and his love are very closely related because his love is always for good. And, right. and it's in his is like this others focus good as well. So he's concerned for our goodness. 
in what is good and best for us like he is within himself. The father is concerned for the son's goodness and what is good for the son and the son for the father and vice versa. But yeah, you're right. Those those ditches, though, I mean, the one is like this permissiveness that lets a person whatever you desire is. And I'm going to just say that's what's loving. You right. should do whatever you desire. Support the other, you, yeah. Right. The other one is this very strict um, rigidity where you're just constantly pointing out flaws. And neither one of those is what we see Jesus doing no. at all. Like you, your example is great. He does not address all the heart issues in people's lives when he interacts with them in, in the Gospels. Not at all. He, and, and he addresses the key one. Yes. Because his desire is to have them turn. It, you know, and scripture talks about it, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance it's this relationship which is formed in love that that is the vessel through which he speaks truth just like you know we would i i would be i would love to if i could watch jesus handle something i know this sounds ridiculous but i wonder if his mother mary ever asked jesus what what he thought of her, of her hair you know or of like we think of I know it sounds like a ridiculous example, but it's one of the ones that people pick out of like, is it always loving to share the truth? Like, what does it mean like to, to share truth? And we would say, certainly we know Jesus didn't lie, but we also know that Jesus did withhold all the time. Yes. He, he did it all the time. He, he gets to the heart of the issue and, and identifies that which is blocking a person from, from abiding in his love. And, and those things are different for us over time, which is how sanctification works. God you know, deals with one thing in us a lot, a lot of times, sometimes a couple of things, but God never in sanctification deals with all of our junk at the same time. No. I mean, he will one day, <laughs> be, mm-hmm. that'll actually be glorious. But, I, um, but right now, I just, like you said, I'm so thankful that that's not how he, I'm so thankful he doesn't deal with me the way I deal with other people. Like that's basically what it comes down to. And if you, I think that's a good, for what it's worth, that's a good measuring stick. Like if you, I've been, this has been going through my head as I've been parenting my kids and speaking to them and, and considering my day. If you, if you respond in a way, I have been saying like, look, if, if you can't imagine Jesus saying that, then don't say it. If you can't imagine Jesus doing that, then don't do it. But Robbie had pointed out like, well, the, problem with that is we tend to make Jesus in our image so we can imagine him doing that we can imagine him um, making a big deal about masks or being really angry about you know this this fringe issue or whatever because we are and we just assume that he's like us but I maybe another way of asking that or, or saying that is how would is this how I would want Jesus to deal with me hmm. is this how I would want Jesus to to speak to me on you know, in, in this situation, I don't know if that helps at all with people. I mean, at some point, if you're so creating Jesus in your image, then I, there's only so much I can say to to try to shed light on that. Um, that's definitely the work of the Holy Spirit. So I, I can't expect that that's going to always land. Um, but I was I was doing I was taking it to that level here recently, where I was thinking, is this how God deals with me? So was there anything? I mean, so now we've had this whole side conversation before we even get in. To some of the things but was there anything in the message that you uh disagreed with or made you angry or you had issues with or that you've been waiting to <laughs> confront me on because well, well since this you is asked the platform. jay this is the platform no actually not at all i'll tell you something that really has stuck with me and i bet has stuck with other people well, that's not that doesn't give us as good ratings right 
feel like if you if you you have to prep me ahead of time if you want me to come up with something you want to confront, some minute I thought thing. something you've been like stewing over for the last 48 hours there's like a run-on sentence there yeah. for a minute no i uh, the illustration that really struck me and the point you were making and you can flesh this out some more too because you know you're online better than me but you were talking about the centrality of love and how it is of highest importance yeah that it's it's different than other things so you gave the illustration of a child who is uh you know their parent told them to clean up their room so they clean it up and their sock drawers in nice order and on the way to show the parent the job they did how great they obeyed uh, they punched their sibling in the face and as if the parent would just overlook that and say oh you did such a great job with your sock drawer so it doesn't matter that you punched your sibling in the face and one is a one is a violation of love and one is a violation of i don't know what not being tidy just yeah disobedient and you just made the illustration we would never accept that we would always say of course this punching in the face is much more important this love of brother so i don't know if you wanted to flesh that out anymore that just really struck me that this is of central importance to our life and our faith. Yeah, I think... So first of all, that isn't how I told the illustration, and your version was better. Okay. I should have said it like that. I, I, I don't, That's, so that's how I heard it. So. I know, that's so funny, because I'm hearing you, and I'm going, oh, that's not how I said it. Oh, that's better than what I said. So what did hopefully you say? someone heard the sermon and then listened to this podcast, and they're like, oh, yeah, that is that is better. Um, no, it's, it's the same point. It's just you worded it in a way I think that it would have been more helpful. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, so it's so important. I think a lot of people cringe when we say, well, some commands are more important than others. But Jesus says that. Like, this isn't, I, I'm not making this up. And Paul says it. He's, he talks about in 1 Corinthians 13 that you can do all these incredible things. You can prophesy. You can do all this stuff. But if you don't have, if you don't have love, you're a noisy gong or a clinging symbol. He doesn't say... Well, if you don't have love, like love would make it so much better. Love would make it so much more effective. Like, of course, you'd want love on top of that. He doesn't say that. He's saying it's worthless. Jesus says, if you don't have this, then you, you can't obey any of the law. Like all of the law and the prophets hang on loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. So there's no, like, you know, 80% of the way there or anything. It's, these are hierarchical. And I think why it's so important to understand that and why I use that illustration, uh, I, I wanted to demonstrate that, yeah, we all know this intrinsically. We understand this. We just, it's its hard. And I get it that's hard. Like I, this idea of loving, I've been so challenged by this just consistently through my Christian life in different seasons. But man, lately, really understanding what does this look like to love my neighbor as Christ has loved me? Um, and one of the things that if we understand how important it is, then we understand that's the measuring stick. That's where we start. We've talked about this before, like with the fruit of the spirit, but it's, it's wrapped into that because love is there. It's, it's a fruit of the spirit that if, if a person is not loving, then nothing else matters underneath that. It just doesn't matter. And so when we have somebody, when you, if you can say, well, I know they're not very kind, I know they're not very loving, but they do speak the truth. And so that's why I like them. You are, you are um, putting a version of truth above what Jesus says is the greatest thing, which by definition is untrue. Yes. Like you see, like, so you end up, you end up valuing a piece of truth over the actual truth. 
and the full the full truth, which would be like valuing a, a partial lie or a partial story over the full story. And now I've had to clarify before, that doesn't mean, I mean, this shows up in like um, books we read, other pastors we listen to, um, vo- just voices that we allow to shape us and shape our mind. That doesn't mean that every voice that sounds loving is a voice that should shape our mind, but it's the question number one. Right? Is is this loving? Is this person a person of love? Right. Which it'd be like in a job interview, me like asking you all these questions and loving like everything about you know, just hearing your experience, hearing all these things. And at the end of it saying, man, you're perfect. Um, I, I want to offer you the job and you saying, I don't, I don't want it. Like question number one in a job interview is, do you want to be here? <laughs> if you don't want to be here, then all the rest of it is pointless. Now, just because you want to be here, you may not be qualified. You may not be a good fit, but that's question number one. Like there are so many things that we understand. Well, this is the first, this is the most important thing. And then, and then we have secondary things that we want to talk about, yes. you know, even things that are very important. So, um, I, so I, that's just one thing that I just, yeah, making sure that people understand like how central this is and how we live in a culture right now that is devaluing it and um and perverting it like love love in our culture has been so perverted in so many different ways we've we've confused it with lust we've confused it with um self-serving motives we've confused it with like i said um with certain moral things we've confused it with acceptance I think now more than ever, we have to understand what does God mean by love and how does that, and the way that we can fully understand that is by, by like through the help of the Holy Spirit to look at how God has loved his people and how Jesus loves his people. Like that's, that's it. Yeah. And, and to not, and to miss that is to miss the boat. Right. It's like to miss it, right. it literally, it's like, I, as you were talking about the primacy of love, I kept thinking again, that it's not like love is the icing, right? It's right. the cake. It's the thing. It is the thing. It, so if you, if you don't have that, you've missed the boat. And I mean, I think people are following Jesus. We, we, in our heart, we want to be people of love and recognize that way by others and seen that way. And in order to be that, we you have to really, like you said, be in, indwelled by the Spirit, which is God's love poured into our hearts through His Spirit, and then in community work that out. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. I mean, even when you're talking about authors or speakers, really, there's no way for any of us to know some speaker in a different state who we've never met right. if this if this person is a person of love. You you cannot know that by what they say that you hear for a half hour. You just can't. You might be able to hear it through other people. Hey, yeah, this person is legit. Like this this life, there's a life lived in love. But we can't know that otherwise. And so I think to me, it's it's a bit of a, as you said that, I thought it's a bit of a warning too, to just because someone has the gift of gab does not mean they are a person of love that should be listened to. There's lots of people who can speak well, speak convincingly and entertainingly, but that does not mean that what they're saying is of God or of Jesus, or of His Word, and and I think measure using not just the truth measuring stick, but right. also using the as Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. He was very clear about that. It wasn't just you'll know a tree by, by if it tells the truth. 
it's not just one aspect yeah. of, of the tree. I think the trouble is the way we live right now is we can't see people's fruit. Like when we're listening to someone or listening to a podcast or reading right. a book, we just don't see it. No. So we're disconnected. So I think there's something that as a body of believers, we need to figure out what does that look like? I don't have an answer right now, but because we can't see the person live with right. Jesus every day, it's really difficult, I think, to be able to tell. Well, and I would say if, if the church doesn't value that, then who's going to? And I've, I've over the years have helped um, or tried to help. This is probably a better way, but been a part of churches that are trying to find a pastor. And it's, it's always the same thing. Like whether they're actually loving towards people or not is never in the top of the list. It's mm. always qualifications. How well do they speak? Kind of analyzing their sermon. Mm. Do they speak truth? Do they teach the Bible? Are they, are they gifted in these areas of leadership? Do they have the right education? You know, all these different things. So maybe we need to start like on the reference forms. It should be like, you pick one of your neighbors to be a reference. Yeah. Literally. And I, if they don't follow Jesus, even better. Right. What is, is this person, like, what do they like? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's really interesting, Jay. What is it that we value? Right. <laughs> right. I feel convicted about that. Like, I feel like we, we tried to do that. But yeah, I didn't ask, when we hired you, I didn't ask for a reference. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell, give me, give me some, one of your neighbors. Yeah. People that live in an apartment with you or, you know, or some of the students. Like, give me, let me talk to somebody who's not a Christian. Yes. At the campus that you interacted with those we we don't we don't value those things and if we don't value them i don't understand how how do we expect the world to understand who god is and how he interacts with people uh, because we we are guilty of valuing things that god doesn't value i mean when you look at how jesus picked his disciples and and when paul's appointing elders like we we all consider this idea that what 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 they're lauded for ultimately what ends up being is is their their faithfulness and their love their love for god and their love for people they're they're not i mean you think about when peter and john are taken in and they're and the they said that they could tell that they were uneducated men i mean how do you how can you tell that someone is if you said that about somebody you could tell that they're an uneducated person oh i can tell you're uneducated that's not a compliment. No. <laughs> and it would probably say it because you didn't speak well or you used words like misdefined or ill-defined, ill-defined <laughs> or undefined. Oh, undefined is a word. But that, but yet we don't, we don't value the same in the same way. Yeah. That's a really, that's a good illustration. And church, I would just say we need to help each other with that. Yeah. I mean, we all need each other to keep the focus on, what Jesus and clearly his early followers put the focus on. I mean, it's interesting with John. I, I just love how when he says the love of God was made manifest again, it wasn't theory. That was literal. He saw right. with his own eyes and interacted with the son of God in the flesh. And that's what he picked up. Right. He writes a letter and 42 times the word love is in there. That's what, that's what he picked up from Jesus from being with him. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. He's it's, with him. That's what he got. And this is what he's trying to mm-hmm. get across. Yes. That's pretty, I mean, that's quite the, that's quite the testimony. So how would we look at that and say, yeah, but these other things are important too, John. I mean, John would be like, well, it all flows from that. Yes. So now if you love others as God has loved you, then yes, of course you're going to love people in truth. 
You're not going to, you're not, it's not going to be fake. You're not going to lie to them. You're not going to be permissive about things that you know are going to cause them harm. Like all those things come into that. But if it isn't rooted in love, if it doesn't flow out of love, and that's another interesting way is like, it's love first. So I, I try to make that point in the sermon that, you know, God loved us first. And so we are to love others. And that's what we lead with. Mm-hmm. And out of that love for people comes those other things. What instead we try to do is we try to, you know, figure out like, what do I need to say? Or what do I, how, how should I act in this situation? And then how do I make it more loving? So like you were talking about yes. the icing on the cake. So like, well, this is the point I want to get across. I'll try to say it in a loving way, but that's, that's false. That is not a true way to love people. It is in my love for you. I now want to speak truth to you. Yes. Like I want to help you in this. I want to, I want to, I want to hopefully say something where the Holy Spirit will use that to, to kind of open your eyes to, to this truth. That's, it's important that we get that order correct. Rather than putting a loving spin on a right. self-centered action or something, right? Like that's a much better way of saying that. Well, that's what you triggered. Yeah. It was just like, so good. that's, and, and then when you think about the sin, like just think about, I'm thinking about my own heart. Okay. So when I'm self-centered, mm-hmm. if I'm actually growing in love, the self-centeredness gets taken care of or pride, for example, like the, the sins right. that really beset us and really affect our relationships if we're focused on love, becoming the, a person of love, who's God's spirit's dwelling in, those sins are taken care of because you can't actually be loving the way we're talking about, the way Jesus taught, and be full of pride at the same time. They don't they don't work together. It's one or the other. Right. I think for me, one of the ways that that comes up is when I'm so I, when I'm in an argument. So it may shock you, Jeff. You've never seen this in me, but I I do enjoy a good argument. Little spar. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I it like as long as there's, I don't enjoy it when it's upsetting to somebody, um, but I still have that in me. Like the debate, know. you like the debate. I like aspect. the debate. Um, but yeah, there are times, of course, I'm not sinless in that. So when I get into it, like now, I want to win, mm-hmm. and so there comes a point where, I, I can my primary focus could be in wanting to win the argument like at all costs like that's really my primary focus i want to win i want to convince you that i'm right and that's when i that's when i can fall in the trap of how can i do this in a loving way that is not what we are called to do i i want to love you and then in the process of that now that is what shapes my debate strategy as it were yes so an example of that is when paul tells them when he when he's speaking um where pe- where believers are suing one another and he says to them you're you're suing one another like you're bringing charges against one another you're not dealing with this in house you're 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 suing and and he said in front of unbelievers like this is the testimony that's so critical to Paul he says would you not rather be wronged and we would look at that i think so often and say well no because this is the truth. I was wronged. And Paul's saying, fine, be wronged. Isn't that better than to demonstrate a lack of love for your brother in front of in front of unbelievers? And I gotta be honest, I think I think a lot of us, especially in this culture, in this Christian culture, who would say, No, hmm. that's not worth it. So multiple times in scripture we see 
where there is a where truth is subservient like actual truth flows out of love and and so maybe that's helpful i don't know if, if people think about when you get into think about when you get into an argument with someone or you're in a disagreement like is your main motivation i want to love this person or is my main motivation i want to be right i want to be i want to convince them of this truth if that's your main motivation then that is not the love that god has loved us with man God, God convinces us through his love. He does. Like you want to be convincing, amen, be convincing. But the way God convinces us is through his love. Which is always for our good. Right. It's Yeah. Okay, another thing that I remembered from the sermon that I thought would be helpful to bring up. You asked the question, I think you just said, maybe it was just a statement. Who in your life, mm. who in your life have you either been withholding love from or not loving the way you know you should be. And you just kind of asked it and, and right. asked us to think about it. And I think it might be helpful to circle back a little bit and talk about what would you practically do. So, so if someone came to mind, which I'm guessing for most of us, someone came to mind either in the moment or right now is coming to mind. Right. Um, what do we do about that? Like here's someone that I, I think at some level I want to love, but I'm not loving how I really should yeah yeah so that whenever i ask a question like that just makes me cringe because i know (laughs) i first of all well two reasons one is because it's personally convicting right so so i know that if i'm asking people to to think about this then i have to be honest about it too yeah and so it's so easy for me to be like well i haven't because i the reality is I could pick anybody, right? So there's nobody in my life that I love the way Christ has loved me fully. So I could pick any, I could pick the person that I love the most and the best. And I could still with integrity say, I'm not loving them fully. The hard thing is when I, when I am willing to dig deeper than that and say, no, there's, there's people in my life that have been hard to love, like really difficult to love so it's true that i haven't loved my wife in all the ways that christ has has loved me but i have such a strong desire to do that i can you know i can confront that i can deal with that but what about people that i don't have a desire to do that when i when i think about a person who even if you told me how to do it i'm saying i don't know that i want to like that's that's where the for lack of a better phrase and to that's where the magic happens. Like that's where the Holy spirit does Mm -hmm. something supernatural in us. And so, um, one thing I would say is, so if you're picturing that person that just drives you crazy, that you just find so unlovable, one thing is just to ask why, what is it about them or about your interactions with them that makes you feel that way? It may be something completely legitimate, it may be that they harmed you and there is no question. Everybody would look at that and say, this person was wrong and they hurt you. And so then the question that you want to ask once you get to the root of it, it could be just that, like I mentioned on Sunday, that they're stubborn, that they're argumentative, that they never, um, they're never willing to listen to you. But whatever the case is, then just consider, okay, how what does the Bible say about how God has loved me when I'm in that situation? Because I guarantee you, 
there is nothing that any human being has done to any other human being that is worse than what we have done to Christ. I mean, it's just the reality. Like our rebellion against the king is the most heinous evil in the history of mankind. Like the brokenness of all of creation came through man's desire to be God in the face of the just and righteous and holy and loving God. So, so there's just nothing that, that can trump that. And so I think, um, so consider that, like, how did God love me when I rejected him? How did God love me when I violently opposed him? How did God love me? And so then just ask God for help in that, like how to demonstrate it. And then, and then here's the key, I think. So once I, once I realize, okay, so, um, I, I have a hard time loving this person because they're, they're angry. Okay. Well, have I ever been angry at God? How does God love me in my anger, in my sin? And then once I realize like how he did that in the cross in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, then we're called to go and do likewise. And so I would, I would pray and say, okay, God, show me how to do this. And that I would pray for it to be tangible. So like we, it, it can't just be words. It can't, it, how can I tangibly demonstrate love and care for this person? Now I have to clarify, if you're talking about someone, I mean, we have some, there's some hard situations of like abuse and that kind of thing. So please don't hear this as saying, well, if like, let's say you're in an abusive marriage and you're being physically abused and you hear that and say, okay, well then I'm supposed to like, just live with it. Like that would be the loving thing. That isn't what we're saying. And, and if you're in one of those really complex situations then reach out to us and we would love to, to help you in that. Um, but it's, it's the situation where you say, well, I can, I can still forgive a person and yet guard safety of myself or my children, you know, for example, those are hard things. I'm not saying this is easy, but what I'm saying is this is what God has done for us. And this is what he calls us to. And so I might still be able to be loving towards that person who has harmed me by saying, um, by, you know, forgiving them and letting them know that I forgive them and that I, that I'm going to turn this over to God and let him handle it. Now I, I may still not move back in, or I might not like there, there's a lot of things that are, and I'm always want to be sensitive to that. Um, but I want to have a practical, like a tangible step of, okay, what does it look like? to love this person? How can I demonstrate that to them? And then, and then just obey it. You know, when you were talking about just asking God to like, to stir up love for, for us, like in our hearts for people that we find difficult to love, even, even we might think, man, I don't even really know if I want to love that person. It made me think sometimes the most powerful prayers are, are those ones where we can just say in all honesty, God, I don't really love this person at all. Right. But I want to want to love them. Yes. Like it's kind of like you have to take and I don't know where, you know, you, you whoever's listening, you you might find that. You you were at a certain point. You might be at the point of I want to want to love this person. Wherever that point is, that's what you bring to God. In all honesty and all truth, you express it to him and ask him. 
this kind of love doesn't just, we can't manufacture it. It's not within our power to do that. It's within his power to produce it in us by his spirit. And I think as we do this, this kind of love, this God kind of love, not just human-centered love, but God love, we realize more and more that love is not dependent upon its object. Like other people don't get to control when we love with their behaviors. God is not controlled. His love isn't tempered by our loveliness like we've been talking about. His love flows out of who he is. He is love. And he's producing that in us. It's not that just being able to say love isn't dependent on its object makes it easy, but I think it can be be something that's, uh, to me, encouraging to learn how to become a person of love who can love even when the object of the love is not lovely. That is what he has for us. That's what's in store for us as we follow Jesus. All the time, we are free to love. And for most of us, I would actually say for all of us, if we're honest, we don't feel free to love all the time. Right. We are hindered by our own brokenness still. But what he is working in us is people who are truly free to love all the time. Yeah. And I think the that's why these steps are so important. These like finding who is that person and what is the action. Yeah. Because it's, it has to just start someplace. It has to start somewhere. And and I would say on top of that, or kind of piggybacking on that, is just don't settle for something less than that. No. Because you're right. I mean, when, what Christ has for us is total freedom to love selflessly and that is so much better than holding on to grudges or bitterness one of the practical things i would say and you you said this about the object of love i i mentioned this in a sermon and i wish i could have gone more in depth on it but don't like especially if you're dealing with somebody who has legitimately harmed you that again objectively um has has wronged you um don't become fixated on that because you're not you're never going to be able to make that better you're never going to be able to say you can't make what happened to you right you can't you can't justify anyway a lot of times people say well you don't know their situation you don't know like you know there could be sympathy sure there could be sympathy and, and and understanding in some ways but at the end of the day it's still wrong what happened you know, there's still there's still something that they did or said maybe that, that has just made this so difficult for you. And no matter how you characterize it and how much understanding you have, at the end of the day, you're still left with this thing that was done against you. And so that's why rather than focusing on that or on the object of the love and, and that person is that person worthy of love, focus and behold Christ. So that's what that's where we're getting at. We say, How has Christ loved you? And then just fixate on that. And and behold that, and then let the Holy Spirit do his work. And then that, those, that, the reason why you want a tangible step then of what can I do? Maybe I'll make a meal for them. Maybe I'll send them a letter. Maybe I'll, you know, whatever I'll do. Maybe if it's a, if it's a coworker, I'll cover for them or I'll, you know, whatever the case is. That when you do that, that's a step of faithful obedience because you're doing it in faith in God that, that he is moving you to do this. And I think when you have when you kind of put all that together, that's when the transformation of the Holy Spirit really starts to take, um, to take root. So I'd say, yeah, don't, don't settle. Um, and then all of this, when we start doing this, when God's transforming each of us individually, he transforms us as a community. And that's when people look at us and say that, that we're known for our love. Hmm. I heard a pastor talk about how we're like, what are we known for? We can be known for all kinds of things. 
and you know his particular audience that he was speaking to like i think people would say about us are really known for our theology really known for um you know our preaching really known for all these different things but are we that's not what we're called to be known for like we should be known for our radical self selfless sacrificial resilient love Mm, may god make that so goodness well i think that probably you're look you're giving me the look of like we're we're good um well hopefully this has been helpful if you have any questions about this and again i can't stress it enough if you if you're in a situation where you are just really struggling if what does it look like to to love as god has loved you that you're in one of those very complex ongoing situations uh please reach out please please get help you're not supposed to handle that alone um, that's what God has given us the family for the church family. And so if you're a part of our church, then reach out to us. Uh, if you don't have a church home, then we would love to help you with that so that you can be cared for and known by, um, by elders who are accountable to God and for the care of your soul. Uh, that's our hope. That's our hope for you. So until next time, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.